0: Bethany Crandall is the author of C Jane Snap. She's also the author of The Jake Ryan Complex and lives in San Diego with her husband, teenage daughters, and two destructive puppies. Bethany loves guacamole, afternoon naps, and eye rolls. Welcome, Bethany. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss C. Jane Snap.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: By the way, when I realized how this cover, like why this cover was this cover, I was like, oh, anyway.
2: <laughs> I know when, they, when they, the design team sent me the cover, the first mock-ups, that was the first one that showed up and I completely lost it. I was hysterically laughing at my desk. I'm like, this is perfect. I don't need to see any others. It's, it's perfect. So I know. And readers will get
0: it once they read. Yes, it, readers will get it. It will become obvious. So tell listeners, if you don't mind, give them your little elevator pitch about what C. Jane Snap is about.
2: Okay, so this is a story of Jane Osborne. She's a 39-year-old mom and wife to a very prominent surgeon. She thinks she's living a very comfortable, stable life. It's the life she always wanted. But it isn't actually real. Her husband confesses to her after 18 years of marriage that he is gay and has been cheating their entire marriage. But because of some mitigating factors at the hospital where he works, he can't divulge that or he could, I mean, it could have some devastating impacts on his career. And in turn, this life she's come to depend on. So they have to kind of put on a pretty face for the world and try to convince everybody that they are the word in June they appear to be. So Jane slaps on a smile and does her best to pretend everything is okay, but inside she's slowly starting to crack. The line just gets to be too much for her and eventually she loses it. She has a very entertaining breakdown in a parking lot that lands her in a jail cell and eventually she's put into this environment with a bunch of women who are not like the women she encounters on a daily basis, the people that she thought were her friends. Now she's kind of in this different world where people are calling her out on what her life really is like and how it's not at all what she thought it was, or even the life she really wanted. And so ultimately she has to determine if having that life that she always dreamed of is worth the trade-off for her happiness.
0: That's the long version short version is. No, no. The long version was perfect. Okay, <laughs> the long version was perfect. Wow. So by the way, and I just, before I forget, I actually know a kid named Blaze, by the way, there's a character. Really? Yeah. He goes to school with, with one of my kids. Anyway, so just cool. throwing that out there. Yeah. So <laughs> when I told my daughter, so sometimes when I'm like reading a book, I share with my kids like what it's about or they're asking me or whatever. So I was telling him about your book, my daughter, who's Eight. And I was like, yeah, da, 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 this happened, this happened. And then it turned out that the dad liked men. And she just looks knowingly at me and goes, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> 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 like, how did you even know that? Anyway, the things kids say. So, anyway, as I said, like right before we started, like, I just knew I would like you because this book is so funny. Like, I love your sense of humor. I love the way you see things, how you have us like you know, in in Jane's head at the lunch and like what she's thinking and the other moms and how you poke fun at everything. I mean, it's just really funny. Well, I mean, life is, even in the worst of circumstances, there is something
2: amusing there, even if it's just to get you through it, right? You have to be able to tap into something or
0: we'd all go mad. So I'm glad that you appreciate that. And I, I just feel like all of us are just like a little bit away from doing what Jane does in the parking oh lot. God. Like we're all just like hovering on the line of losing it. And I think that's why this is so perfect.
2: I'm on that every day. I mean, and it's so funny because some days it's like this huge thing that feels like it could send you over. And other days it's it truly would be somebody not putting their cart in the corral. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I straddle that line every day. I
0: think most moms probably do, but yeah. It's, it's amazing how close... We feel like we are. I mean, I don't know I if know. other people know that, you know, that, you know, it's just you. You have, like good thing for executive function or I don't know what it is in our brains that like c- pull it back right. at the last second. But, you know, there are days, though, and I, I will pull it
2: back if it's around people I don't know. But when I come home, it's like, the, yeah. you know, the front gates open because it's that safe place. Yeah. Yeah. I think. At least the women I know in my world, and now you, we are all hovering very close to that, you know, comfortable place and committing homicide. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> very... It's, it's, very, it's
0: a fine, fine line. Yeah. I definitely had moments where I'm like, oh, I get why people might commit this crime. Like I get it. Oh, I could see, totally. I could see if you had a little less impulse control. For sure. <laughs> okay. So also this secret, right? The secret that her husband is keeping from her and the way she discovers it and the drama of that moment and the realization and the you know, devastation and all of those feelings that you have, Jane, sort of go into in the book. Where is that coming from? How are you tapping into that? Like, how did you decide on this? How did you decide on the whole plot, to be honest? I mean.
2: Well, so I, my books always start as a title and the story kind of builds around it. hmm. Now, there must be some kernel of an idea somewhere in my head, but I do my best thinking under the hairdryer. And as you can see, nobody else can. I have a lot of hair, but I I kind of lose myself in the white noise. And so I remember one day last fall, winter at this DJ and snap, I was like, oh, I like that. So, you know, quickly text my critique partner. I'm like, I got this title now here, you know, my muse gets to start running wild. And it just kind of built like what kinds of things would make a middle-aged woman, she raises her hand, all apart and, you know, lose it. And so I start thinking of all these things that make me jumpy like that. And then it just kind of started evolving. I I wish I could put a finger on it and say, oh, it was this, it was that. I don't, I don't know specifically. It just, you know, stories start to create themselves. But I do have a little personal experience, not in this exact situation. But yeah, my parents split up after 24 years of marriage and out of the blue. And that was initiated by my mom. And I think it was a devastating choice that she had to make. And it was you know, gutted her because, and my dad was totally shocked and never saw it coming. It was just disruptive to the whole world. And I think it was, I know it was a difficult decision for her and it probably was a long time coming because when you make those choices, it's not just you. I mean, this is, it's trickle down to the, you know, hundredth degree here. It's, it, it spreads out into children and in laws and it's like the whole dichotomy of your world gets disrupted. And so I didn't realize I was tapping into that element until I started writing. I was like, oh my gosh, these are some of those feelings I think my my parents probably experienced. And my dad's nothing like Dan. <laughs> He's a wonderful, wonderful guy and not selfish or anything like that. But I think those feelings were very, uh, they resonated with me in that respect. And then also, I wrote this majority of this book in quarantine. And so it was pretty easy at points to feel Stressed and to feel the anxiety that Jane was feeling. And there's no escape when you're all trapped in the same house together. (laughs) You can't step away from your stressful manuscript and find relaxation because it's like, oh God, they're all still here and they want me more than ever. And I'm, you know, chomping at the bit here, crawl out of my skin or do something because of this scene I just wrote. And there's no escape. And so yeah, I mean it just kind of snowballed and it was a perfect storm and my my own experience writing this book was definitely more challenging than other books because of the circumstances around us but I think it made Jane that much more authentic because I was feeling it yeah. when she was feeling it.
0: You could so. tell. I mean you could you yeah. could tell. I, I I mean really it's we were in it with Jane and I love that. Yes. <laughs> How old are your kids? You don't have to say if you don't feel comfortable. Um,
2: no, I 18 started college last week and my little one is 16.
0: Oh yeah. Wow. I know. I was also telling my daughter about the Jane's daughter and she's like, well, she just doesn't sound like a good person. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, the graffiti and all the trouble she was getting in. So, Uh, but I was like, yeah, she just doesn't really seem to like her mom at all. She's like, well, that's terrible. I'm like, isn't it? (laughs) it It's terrible. But there's a lot of me in Avery, the daughter,
2: I'm, I'm the youngest of three. And so when I was 16, I think when my parents split up and I was mad and I, you know, rebelled against both of them and they just loved me harder and harder than, you know, it was nothing but love and support and encouragement. And they knew it was hard and gave me miles of room, you know, to, but never did I doubt that they loved me and they were there. And I, of course I worked through that, but you just don't know. I think kids they only know this little world that you've created. And so as parents, you, you want to protect them from everything that might hurt them, but it's at some point, the self-sacrifice has to give way to self-preservation. And so, yeah, I don't know how it went on that. We'll no, it no, it's
0: fine. My parents split <laughs> up when I was 14 and, you know, it's a really interesting time to have your home life, you know, sort of shatter, right. As you're trying to figure out who you are and yeah. friendships and, you know, identity and like everything is under a microscope in high school. Right. And so, exactly, yeah, it's exactly. just a tricky, not that any time is particularly amazing, but.
2: No, but, it, and I remember both my sisters were, had left for college and I was so mad. I'm like, you guys left me here with them all by myself, you know? And it was,
0: yeah. I, yeah. I felt bad. My brother's a couple of years younger. And when I went to college, I felt so guilty. You know, I was like, I'm yeah. so sorry. He didn't even care. I mean, he didn't care, but <laughs> I, wow. I felt bad. you know, he enjoyed, right? but, yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe he. Cares. I, I won't talk for him cause he wouldn't like that. But <laughs> anyway, and I also like, you know, not to keep going back to this sort of title and cover and all this stuff, but seeing Jane snap and having the rubber band around her wrist as, as actual snapping. Oh, you do it too. Yeah. Right. Mostly for
2: my hair, but I, I find myself tugging on that
0: for sure. Yeah. All these ways of dealing with anxiety, right? Because life seems to be just a series of coping mechanisms. Yes. That's so true. I'm like, I'll try this. I'll try that, you know? Do you have any weird weird ones? (sighs) You know, I've gotten into this like breathing, but not in the way everybody says, oh, take a breath. Mine is more like I'm hyperventilating. So... (laughs) (laughs) So I like have to literally like, I, I like hold my chest down as if I'm like going to fly away from stress. So <laughs> coach, I
2: think like, it's like the out. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I hold my breath until I pass out and then I just don't have to feel it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. <laughs> Wait, so tell me your, your story. Like, how did you become an author to begin with? What made you start writing books? Like, how did you, where did you grow yeah. up? Like, what's your, what's the, sh- what's your story? The spiel.
2: I've always been kind of a creative minded kid, always loved to write, but never really did anything with it. I remember in ninth grade, we had a student teacher in history class. And one of the assignments she gave us had something to do with the Peloponnesian War. I, I Remember anything else about it, but I decided to make a book like a children's book and I illustrated it, which is funny because I don't draw. But anyway, I was I spent hours and hours and hours on this book, and I am was not a good student, I was never academically motivated. But this project, I was like, Yes, I get to create something. And I remember she said, Mrs. Smiley, Mrs. Smiley said, You should write a book, and I was like, Oh, okay, tuck that away. And then I guess I was 34. My little one was two and she had just been diagnosed with cerebral palsy oh. and the, yeah, the diagnosis wasn't a surprise because, you know, you're there with your kids, you see them missing milestones and whatever, whatever. But something sort of resonated, I guess, once there was a label on it and I was having to go to all these evaluations because there are different services and different things you have to get involved with. And I felt like I was kind of starting to be labeled as mom to a child with disability. And there are some moms and dads in that role that are these amazing advocates. And I truly believe they were gifted with that, you know, that gene to be able to do that. I'm not one of those people. I can speak up for my kid, but that's just, I'm not, that's not what I'm called to do. I don't think, but I, I didn't know who I was and I knew I was more than, Becca's mom. I didn't want to just be this, you know, mom to a disabled kid. So I reached out to a creative coach. I had worked with her years before, before I had kids, did some classes like the artist way, Julia Cameron's artist way. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. And some that she, workshops she had set up. So I reached out to her and said, I'm struggling. Is there anything creative you can direct me toward? And she's like, let's start writing. So for about a year, I just would, for 15 minutes a day on my lunch hour, I would start writing and I would send her my stuff. And she finally one day said, I think you need to write a book. And I was like, I don't know if I can, I wasn't a big reader at that point. And it just felt huge. And, and then she told me, you know, there's a statistic that of all the people in the world that set out to write a book, 85% of them they finish. Only 15% of people actually finish a book when they oh, start. Right. I didn't know that.
0: That's an interesting
2: statistic. And it may have changed. I don't know. This was no. I like it. I,
0: I know. I'll it's quote good. you on this. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. It's motivating, but
2: yeah, I'm a, a competitive person by nature. So boy, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Guess what I'm going to do? And then it started from there. And I, I started to realize, you know, you can write and be in control. And that was the thing I was missing is this was happening to my kiddo and it was happening to all of us. And this was not the life I anticipated. And I had to let go of all these plans and dreams and aspirations I had for her because she wasn't typically developing, but this was a world I
0: could control.
2: And so it kind of fed into that need to feel like I at least had some kind of control.
0: Wow. Yeah. So then what happened
2: next? So... I did happen next. I started writing a book, and I submitted it to agents way before I should have. I mean, I'm I'm going to get an agent. That's going to be as big as Twilight. Like in my head, it was this whole. It's going to be amazing. Well, rejection, 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 rejection. But I just kept writing, and I ended up selling my second completed manuscript. It's a young adult novel called Summer on the Short Bus, and it's it, it's a very irreverent look at a teenage girl who's you know spoiled rich kid who gets into trouble and gets sent to work at a summer camp for kids with special needs. And it's sort of a, not even coming of age, I would say it's a slap in the face to the kind of life she'd been living. And so then I was writing young adult books for seven years, eight years working. I had two different agents, both there were issues personally with them that took them out of the industry. (laughs) And, but it was just, you know more rejections and i was writing and my my writing was growing for sure as a writer i was growing stronger but i i guess i just didn't find the right next thing you know so about 3 years ago now i my my second agent was leaving the industry or at least that role in the industry and i had had this just finished manuscript gave it to her we were about ready to shop it and I had been struggling for years about. I have a really deep love for John Hughes movies, and Sixteen Candles was my all-time. And Jake Ryan was like, "Oh,
1: love my love, my, love my
2: everything." Yeah. Oh my gosh! So for years, I had been toying with this idea of writing a story about a woman who can't get over her childhood teenage crush. Basically, so I was like, you know what? I'm at this point where we're not selling any more young adult books. My agent's leaving. I want to further my career. I want to keep doing this. I just want to keep having the opportunity to write and get better and grow. I think I'm just going to take a leap here and shift gears and write Witten's fiction and just see what happens. So I pounded this book out, had a ball doing it. It was the first book I've ever written that I wanted to read. Mm -hmm. I All the others were good and I enjoyed them, but I wouldn't pick them up off the shelf. They were just not what I wanted to read. I had so much fun writing this book. And I went out and shopped it to agents and got a couple of offers and signed with a phenomenal agent who I just adore. And we sold it right away and that was it. And so it was a two book deal. And thankfully my agent or my editor was wise enough because I had this whole, I had this whole idea of, I'm gonna do this whole series spinoff on like John Hughes inspired, you know, shift them up a little bit. And she was like, well, that's fine if you want to do that for your second book. But she said, I think you're capable of something bigger and something more like book clubby, you know, something you can really get in there and sink your teeth into and dig around a little bit. And I said, well, I've kind of got this idea about this woman who has a midlife crisis when she finds out her husband's gay. It's called CJ Jane Snap. And she's like, that's it. That's the book. You run with it. So that's how it came to be. Oh and so now I've got, all kinds of really horrible ideas in my head about, you know, things I can do to middle-aged women and how I can share our stories because I think we, we all share them frankly, but
0: that's kind of my, my story. I love it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Wait. So what's the second one going to be?
2: So the second one was Jane, or you mean for, I'm sorry. So the first book I sold is called the Jake Ryan complex. And that was part of the two book deal. And okay. so the second book in that deal was CJ Jane's snap. So right now I'm finishing up uh, another one that I, I would pitch it as good girls meets golden girls with a twist of sweet Magnolias. It's female bonding for sure. Highly emotional. That's all. That's what I write. I am a true cancer. So it's, It's all about what my stomach's feeling and a little bit of ass kicking, which is fun. I think I'm getting inspired by some of these fun books that are out right now, like Dial A for Aunties. I know you have her Mm -hmm, on the show. Yeah, I love that. That was just a fun read. That was really fun. Yep. Plotting things is fun, right? And I'm reading Finley Donovan is killing it right now, which is fun. I mean, it's like I wouldn't say that it's a caper book necessarily, but it's plotting and it's revenge and it's it's fun. So it's a little departure from Jane, but not. Not to the degree where you're going to be like, who wrote this? It's definitely
0: still my my spin. That's so funny you said that about Still Magnolias because I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. And literally the minute before I did this podcast, I was sending an email to describe something. And I was like, it's a mix of this and Still Magnolias. <laughs> and then like, here you are, like 20 minutes later. Life is so, so weird. Every
2: now and then I'll have this little voice in my head say, it was Weezer. Weezer did it. And I'm like... <laughs> It's <laughs> like the random little, and that cast, those women. Yeah, amazing. I mean, that to me, it's like nine to five. It's it's just seeing all I love women. nine to five
0: too. I feel like we yes. have the same exact movie taste, basically. We could oh, just yeah. like go to, not that it's so unique, but you know, still, well, still and all. <laughs> Birds of a <the> feather, yeah. <laughs> amazing, so exciting. So what advice would you have for aspiring authors at this point? Gosh,
2: first of all, don't quit because that's the only way to know you'll never make it if you quit. It takes a long time. It doesn't necessarily, some people sell right away, but it takes a long time to get to know your voice as an author. I think, I want to say it was Stephen King has a quote that it takes a million words to figure out who you are. And I think I hit a million words about the time I shifted gears and started writing women's fiction. If I look back on everything I've done. So I, you just have to keep practicing. It's all practice. And as soon as you stop you're not going to grow anymore. So you just keep writing. I would say for sure, nothing is ever wasted. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Even if the book doesn't sell, or if you think it's garbage and you will, you're going to think it's garbage half the time, if not more, it's rubbish. That's just how we think, but it's all valuable. All helps grow you as an author and, and you are an author. We'll say that too. I remember I went to my first writer's conference and I felt like an imposter. I felt like the little kid in my mom's, you know, high heels with a big bag on my shoulder. Like, I don't belong here. And everybody knows it because I haven't even finished a full manuscript. And I remember one of the keynote speakers saying, if you're writing and you're committed to this, you are an author. And it it was empowering. And you just have to believe in yourself and that you can get better.
0: All right. And my last question for the mom out there today, who feels like she's about to snap. What are you going to say to her,
2: <laughs> girl? I am with you. <laughs> you are not alone. You know, I'm I'm super passive aggressive with stuff, so I I don't like confrontation. So I don't confront people when I see them leave their shopping cart. It really is a problem for me. Somebody. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> but boy, do I say stuff under my breath when I get in the car. I, I would encourage people to let it out somewhere safe. I scream a lot in my car by myself. If I'm really having a moment, there's an old eighties movie. You're probably familiar with it. Summer school where this guy would scream. Oh my and gosh, Mark say, Harmon. Attention breaker <laughs> yes. had to be done. And I do that by myself. And it just getting it out is so helpful. Talk to your girls, your girlfriends about it, or I don't know, go get a frozen yogurt, something to kind of remove yourself from the situation. But If anybody's riding that ledge today, just know, you know, there are so many of us there with you. And I truly hope your supply of oranges is always substantial. Everybody needs those oranges. I
0: think what you should do is if you haven't already, but you need to have a site where women anonymously can come in and type what's making them snap today. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. You should just like put it up right like today or something. Cause like I could, and it could be anonymous, right? But like- this, da, 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 and then we just like vent, we have it there and maybe people can comment or maybe it just lives That's on the so site. It's This is just about getting it out. Yeah. It's just, you and just have to I, get it out. Yeah. And, and then, then think, you see the other people and then they laugh, right? And we see each other right. in all, all of those moments or I almost did this or I almost did that. Anyway, yes. I think the middle-aged snapping community would, would benefit from that. Oh, oh. All right. Let me know when it's live. I'll post about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> rubber, rubber band wearers unite. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you. This was so fun. I knew it would be, and it was, and thank you. Your book yeah. was really just so great and so relatable and very entertaining, which is what we all want when we're at the edge of our ropes Rope. ourselves. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.
1: right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life.